We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Are you working? What kind of work do you do? Hello, everyone, and welcome back to another episode of the Spurs Up Show presented by the Armchair All-Americans. I'm your host, Chris Phillips, joined today by my co-host, Thomas Floyd. As always, uh, we welcome you to another episode. We're just 18 days away from kickoff. The season is quickly approaching. Uh, We continue on with our season preview series today as we talk about the Gamecocks special teams. Yeah, showing some love to the specialists for the Gamecocks. Uh, Before we do that, if you haven't done so yet, this is the perfect time to do so. The best Gamecocks podcast on the internet by far. Please be sure to go online. Rate, subscribe, share, and download the Spurs Up show on iTunes, the Stitcher app, wherever you consume your media, wherever you consume your podcast. Please be sure to go check us out there. What I also learned this week, Tom, is whenever you give us a five-star review, uh, it helps others find our show as well. So maybe those that haven't heard of us can find and listen to our shows. Uh, so please be sure to go online there. Again, wherever you listen to your podcast, iTunes, Stitcher, uh, wherever. Please be sure to check us out on all our social media handles as well. We're on Twitter at Armchair Car. Our podcast is on Twitter as well at the Spurs Up Show. Uh, we're also on Instagram at Armchair S Car. And of course, like I mentioned, uh, this is a podcast brought to you by the Armchair All-Americans, armchairallamericans.com, localizing your sports coverage content. Please be sure to go check us out on armchairallamericans.com for all of your latest breaking Gamecock news coverage. Our podcast, the Spurs Up Show, of course, and all of our uh, breaking news there as well. We also cover everything from collegiate to professional sports, esports, anything and everything you can think of. We've got it for you at armchairallamericans.com. So be sure to go check us out there. Uh, like I said, I'm joined as I always am by my co-host Thomas Floyd. Tom, it's great to have you back on. I'm ready to talk some uh, talk some special teams today. What's up, man? It's great to be back. Can't wait to talk the most important part of the team: special teams. Yeah, you know, and a very integral part of last season for uh, not always the best of reasons. But I uh, want to jump right into it before I do that, just to let you guys know because I didn't uh, didn't kind of kind of announce it in the intro. We've also got a very very special interview, as you can tell by the title of this podcast, coming up later. So. Be sure to stay tuned for that. But first off, again, we want to continue our season preview series again. Uh, we've only got 18 days away from kickoff as we're recording this on Tuesday, the 14th, Tuesday night. Um, it's quickly, quickly approaching. And we're going to talk about a specific unit that, again, was not always on Gamecocks fans' mind for all the best reasons and sometimes was on their mind for the best reasons. Uh, but I want to start at the main area that gave South Carolina fans tons of headaches and I know gave Coach Muschamp and that coaching staff tons of headaches, and that is the kicker position. Um, Tom, I don't think it's any secret that in 2017, kicker was 
it was a literal roller, roller coaster a, a year ago. I mean, Alexander Wozniak won the job in preseason. He misses two or three field goals to start the year against NC State. Uh, Parker White assumes the position, takes over. From there, he keeps the position all season, but was a struggle throughout. Went 14 of 25 on field goals, hit just 56%. He was an abysmal 4 of 14 on 40 yards or more uh, on his field goals there. Um, one of the big storylines, you know, Tom, of this season is that Shane Hines, he's transferring in from Kent State, uh, only went 9 of 15 last year, so not exactly overwhelming numbers either for him. It's just over 50%. Um, and obviously, Alexander Wozniak returns. There's a kicker, you know, there's a kicker, back, kicker battle going on right now in fall camp. Um, but I want to start first on Parker White because obviously he returns as a starter from a year ago. Um, you've heard Will Muschamp a little bit in preseason camp talk about how he doesn't feel like it was all that it was all Parker White's fault a year ago. Tom, talk about just kind of your assessment of, you know, obviously the season Parker had, Par, Parker White had a year ago, and do you buy that narrative that, you know that it really wasn't all on him a season ago. Maybe we shouldn't be putting all the blame on Parker White for for the, you know, season that he had in 2017. I think he got kind of thrown in the fire there. I mean, I'm sure he wasn't expecting to come out and play. I mean, you know, obviously you're a kicker. You're only on the field probably five or six times a game at most. I mean, well, Parker, obviously, we're doing kickoffs too. He's on it more than that. But I think it was kind of a shocker. And once he – I think he started out kind of slow and it kind of hurt his confidence and kicking kicking and snapping is such a mental – has such a mental aspect to it, I think, that you know, that hurt him a lot last year. And you can never get a hot streak going when it comes along field goals. I mean, he, like you said, he was – I think he was 10 of 11 on field goals that were inside the 40. So, obviously, you have the confidence there to make them, then you're going to make them. But I think, you know, coming into this year, I think the obvious favorite to me will be Shane Hines. I mean, you don't bring a, a grad transfer kicker in on scholarship to not play. I think that's the idea they got behind it. But I don't think they expected to Parker White for Parker White to improve as much as he did. Because, I, I mean, you can hear Ben Asbury and them talking about it in the press conferences early, earlier in the fall camp. Said that they, he's been working on it all summer with him and Danny Gordon, I think, is the um, holder, I'm pretty sure. And, you know, Ben Asbury's a kicker. And then Parker White were all working together all summer to get better. I think that if his confidence is there, then he could easily be the starter because he's got legs. Because you can see it on kickoff, and he, can, he just the man can kick the ball well. And I think you know last year, not all those field goals were on him. I think you know Ben Asbury said again in one of those interviews that I think they messed up two or three. So I mean, you take two or three off. I mean, he's still going to be like four for ten on field goals of forty plus. But I think if the confidence there, he could have a good year. I expect him to be better than last year. But obviously, we were so used to Elliot Fry that it's like almost anything's not as good as Elliot. Yeah, no, I totally agree with you. And, I mean, I, again, I, I think that, you know, you made a really good point. I don't think Shane Hines would have transferred and came in, you know, just 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 to come in and sit his last year. I mean, I think he came in because he thought he had a really good chance to win the starting job. And, you know, I definitely think he saw an opening with the the struggles, you know, if you will. It's call it, you know, mildly the struggles that Parker White had a year ago, like you said. And we talked a little bit in pre-show um, you know, Parker White was fantastic inside of 40 yards. Um, what, what, 10 of 11 he was. Struggle beyond 40. And I, I think we kind of both agree. I think that's a big mental thing for him. Um, because anytime someone has the physical abilities and can't get it done, you know, it's not that he doesn't have the physical capability to kick a 45-yard field goal and make it. He has all the leg. At some point, it's kind of like a golfer. When you get your swing, get your tempo, kind of get your feel. And I think for them, him, again, getting thrown in the fire kind of early, Missing some kicks early, especially, you know, when he missed him. And, you know, I, the one that glaringly sticks out is the Kentucky game where um, it, it really cost South Carolina a ton of momentum and maybe even cost South Carolina that football game. Uh, and I think from there, you could just see his confidence kind of deteriorate de- deteriorate 
from that point. But, yeah, I agree. I don't think a guy like Shane Hines comes in unless he's fully expecting to win the job. It kind of reminds me similar of uh, LSU's quarterback situation, obviously a completely different scenario. But Joe Burrows comes in as a transfer uh, as a transfer from Ohio State. And, you know, people are asking who's going to win that quarterback job. Well, you don't transfer schools for your last year unless you're fully – 100% confident you're going to play and you're going to win that job. Otherwise, it just wouldn't make any sense. So, yeah, I, I think it's going to be a really, really interesting battle. I mean, I still wouldn't rule Alexander Wozniak out. I mean, I thought – I mean, there's a reason he won that job in the fall in fall camp to begin with. But it would it would definitely surprise me as well if Shane Hines doesn't come away uh, – you know, doesn't come away as a starting kicker for South Carolina. But either way, I mean, we can talk for days about how South Carolina was just impacted as a team a, a year ago from – not being able to make kicks. And I think there was definitely a point in the season where maybe they asked him to do a little bit too much again from 40 plus when, you know, they knew he was struggling. Obviously the stats were what they were. You know, Parker White didn't make his first field goal of the season until Louisiana Tech when he hit the game winner. Um, So I I definitely think a lot was put on him unfairly. A lot was put on his shoulders. And I I, just go back kind of the original question. I, I don't think all of the blame was put on Parker White because, again, like you mentioned, South Carolina lost so much when they lost Elliott Fry. They kind of lost that entire unit as far as snapper holder. But at the end of the day, the kicker is the one that kicks it, and he's the one that's got to put it to the upright. So, you know, unless Parker White has made huge strides, and, you know, I just don't see a way where Shane Hines is going to lose this job. But, again, it's going to be really interesting to see. And the biggest question and the biggest thing that I hope South Carolina can avoid is – you just don't want this to bleed into the season like it did a year ago and have uncertainty in that position because South Carolina under Will Muschamp and really Peary just has a tendency to play a lot of close ball games. And when you've got a, a game week two, like a Georgia, you might need two or three field goals in that game to separate you from Georgia. I mean, field goals might be a big part of that game. So you just got to hope that South Carolina can find their answers in fall camp coming to week one against Coastal Carolina. I mean, you say hopefully they don't have to kick any field goals and they just score all touchdowns, but it'd be kind of nice to see your field goal kicker go out there week one and make two or three field goals and kind of give them some confidence going into week two. I mean, yeah, I agree. I think that if he can, like you just said, I think if he can go out there and get some confidence from making a couple against Coastal Carolina, whoever the start kicker is, and I think that'll be a long way because, you know, we did beat Georgia a couple years ago, 38-35. You know, wouldn't have been for that field goal, wouldn't have won. But I think you – we have to have a better year out of the kickers because we don't – it could be a very similar year to last year where we have, you know, have some games where, you, you know, you hit a field goal against A&M, you have a better chance of winning that game or you hit two or three of them. I think that we missed a couple against A&M. I could be wrong there, but pretty sure A&M was one of the games that cost us there. I mean, and then you look at, obviously, Louisiana Tech again. We won on a game-winning field goal. Like, it's got to improve. Absolutely. So, moving over to punter. Um, Joseph Charlton was a great surprise a year ago. I mean, he's a guy that really just kind of came out of nowhere – um, not really a whole lot to touch on here, but Charlton a year ago, um, 40, 43 and a half yards average per punt for Charlton was a guy that could really flip the field. And I mean, had an absolute booming leg was kind of, uh, almost kind of kicked, kicked it a little bit, you know, too far. If you just remember specifically the Clemson game, I know a game we've all tried to forget, but he had some absolute bombs in that game. Um, and I, I think Joseph Charleston, anytime you can have a guy like that at punter, a guy that can flip the field for you again. It's kind of a scenario where you you hope you don't have to see him on the field too much because you don't want to see the Gamecocks punting all game. But anytime you can have a guy like that, I mean, I think he was actually nominated preseason All SEC um, for the two for 2018 SEC Media Days. I just I think whenever you can have a guy like that, Tom, you know, Joseph Charlton's a guy that can be a weapon for you this year in the special teams game. Talk about what do you think it means, uh, you know, for the Gamecocks again to have a guy like Charlton. 
I mean, he's a freak. I mean, he puts it. I remember. Do you remember watching Michael Allman punt against USF in the in the Birmingham Bowl Cup like two years ago? I do. First year? I do. Well, I was I like, well, Allman's doing a great job. I think Sean Kelly was a punter, and then he got hurt or something happened there. But I remember Allman came in, and I was like, well, this guy's probably gonna be the punter next year. He did a good job in the Birmingham Bowl, and then they trot Charleston, Charleston, eh, Joseph Charlton out there, and I'm like, well, we'll see how this kid does. He had a pretty good year. I mean, I think you know, most Gamecock fans say they were pleased with the punting team. I don't think we had any block punts or anything like that. So, obviously, Ben Asbury's doing a good job on long snaps. I mean, just I mean, obviously, we're talking about Joe's charge and how good he's doing. I think if he has another good year, I think he's a junior this year, I'm pretty sure. You know, two more years of good production. Him, I mean, and, you know, Kyle Krantz has said that multiple times that, you know, if Michael Allman was on a different team, he'd probably be starting. And I think, you know, I probably could would agree there. I, mean, I like Charleston. I think he's doing a good job. Yeah, no, absolutely. Again, it's it's a weapon anytime. And I mean, Tennessee is shown throughout their history with their great punters. It's a weapon anytime you can have a guy again that's going to be able to flip the field for you. Again, you hope he doesn't have to punt very, you know, too too much because then it means the offense isn't doing anything. But it's always good when you can have a guy like Charlton in your back pocket there. Um, moving into a very very fun topic to talk about and a part of the special teams unit that was fantastic a year ago, the kick returner Debo Samuel returns. We all know we've talked about him on offense as far as our offensive preview show the impact that Debo Samuel is going to have. But uh, Debo's not a bad kick returner either. Uh, I think he can hold his own. Had two kick returns a year ago for touchdowns. Started the season off with a 97-yarder against NC State. Followed it up against Missouri. Same exact thing. Um, You know, Tom, you see what I put in the notes. I mean, enough said with this. I mean, I I just think the return of Debo Samuel, um, it'll be interesting to to me to see – you know, maybe early in the season, they, you know, how much are they going to use him back there? Because I think it's going to be, I'm being interested to see, are they going to kind of ease him into the season? Or are they just going to put him back out there and say, hey, you're good to go 100%? Uh, either way, wouldn't surprise me. But I love the comments from Debo and from Will Muschamp at SEC Media Days. And, you know, Kyle Krantz, special team coordinator, and our Coleman Hutzler, actually, it was, that was interviewing um, in fall camp a couple of days ago. We actually put on our Instagram account when they asked him about, you know, well, is Debo Samuel the fair catch rule, the new fair catch rule in kickoffs? Is that something you guys are going to take advantage of? And he simply said, do you want Debo to fair catch the football? Yeah, me neither. So I, I think this staff is fully committed. You know, they know Debo Samuel is one of their best, if not their best playmaker. He's electric, get the ball in his hands. And I, I just can't wait to see, you know, fingers crossed he can have an entire year healthy because I think he can really continue what he did a year ago and just be absolutely dynamic for South Carolina as a kick returner and a game changer in the special teams. I mean, yeah, when Debo's on the field, he, he makes plays. I mean, just – think he had, what, like six or seven – how many touchdowns did he have last year in three games? Like six? I'm, I'm pretty sure it was six. Yeah, six, no, he had six touchdowns. Yeah, he – uh, yeah, in 20 touch – just over 20 touches, he had six touchdowns. So. Yeah, so you get the ball in his hands, the kid makes plays. And, I mean, even if you look on the other side of the part on the kick return team, it's probably A.J. Turner – I'm pretty sure he's had 70. I think he, I don't know if he returned a touchdown. I know it for a fact against East Carolina or Western Carolina. Yeah, down to the, uh, down yeah. to the 20. Yeah. 20, took, it, yep. took it almost to the house. So you have two good kick returners. So, I mean, you know, and you obviously, you know, AJ Turner has speed. Like everyone would know that if you've ever watched him play. So I'm confident in both of them. As long as Debo stays healthy, I, we could probably have five or six this year, to be honest, just if they kick it to him. Yeah. I mean, it's going to be interesting to see how teams kind of attack that. Cause I mean, at one point again, I mean, yeah, the, the fair catch rule for those maybe you're listening and don't really know what we're talking about, you can fair catch the ball anywhere on the field and you're going to get it at the 25-yard line. 
Um, which is why they ask, you know, are you going to have Debo Samuel fair catch the ball? And it's like, we're not, no, Debo Samuel's not going to fair catch the ball. We're going to give him a chance every time he can touch it. But I'm going to try to, I mean, it's going to be interesting to see. I mean, how often are teams going to try to kick away from him? Because obviously, you know, at some point, I mean, you have to, you know, if you're the opposing team, you have to have some sort of strategy against him. But at the end of the day, I mean, sometimes you just kind of, you have to tell your coverage team, hey, go out there and make a tackle, make a play. I mean, but Debo Samuel, just what he brings, I mean, it's not just his speed. There are other guys on the South Carolina's team that are probably just as fast as him and can cut like him, but it's his vision. I mean, his ability to make plays. You saw it in the two kick returns a year ago, just his vision to see the hole as soon as he sees it just explode. And, you know, the next thing you know, he's gone. Once he once he hits that second level, I mean, nobody's catching him. Um, so, like you said, I mean, I, you know, see, he was on pace for a monster year a year ago, and, I mean, I could see him – you know, again, fingers crossed he can stay healthy the entire season. I mean, I think it's going to be a special year for him. I mean, I think you could see him again with five, six touchdowns uh, on just in special teams. And, I mean, I think he could leave South Carolina. If he can do that, he, there's a good chance he can leave South Carolina as maybe the best special teams player to ever wear a South Carolina uniform. Um, and, it, you know, another thing I want to mention, too, you mentioned South Carolina has another good option with A.J. Turner. I mean, he's a guy, another guy that has great vision. Um you know, that same season, the first play of the Texas A&M game, 2016, he had had a 75-yard touchdown yeah. run. I mean, he's a guy also that has vision. I mean, he can make plays. So, you know, if they want to kick away from Debo, fine. Give A.J. Turner the ball. Give him a chance. I feel like he can make a play as well. So, I feel like South Carolina is in a very, very good position um, as far as kick returns are concerned. Um, want to talk about kind of round out the special teams conversation with the punt returner. Uh, this one is going to be a really, really interesting battle to watch throughout the – rest of camp and in the beginning of the season. Obviously, you lose Chris LeMond, who would handle all your punt return duties for the last year, maybe the last two years. I mean, Yeah, last two years, he had handled all of your punt return duties. There have been some adventures in the punt return game with as far as punts not being caught, um, some literally some kind of butterfingers, if you will. Um, you know, South Carolina's taught they've got a bunch of candidates right now for who's going to be their punt returner, guys like Keyshawn Nixon, Jam Williams, Brian Edwards, Josh Van, Rashad Fenton, just to name a few. Um, Tom, let me ask you first, what do you think of that list I just gave you guys? Are there any guys you think they should be looking at that I didn't mention? And of, of, the, and of those guys that I mentioned, who do you think is going to emerge as South Carolina's punt returner on day one? I mean, just as – I mean, my – my pick for punt returner would have to be Jamias Williams. I mean, you look at what he did in high school on the field. I think he's explosive as they get. I don't. Has Shy Smith been fielding punts? I mean, that's a guy I also think. I too, think that, you know, I think you're right. I think Shy actually has been fielding punts. I think that's the one that I forgot because I in, in pre-show I was thinking who is the one guy I'm not thinking of. I think Shy maybe has. I'm pretty sure he has been. Yes, or I think even he's another Josh Van. I think Josh Van is another guy that just has explosiveness, and you can see him making plays in practice. They put on you know highlights on Twitter and Instagram. I mean, as soon as you know, be explosive, then that's all you need. But obviously, it's a lot more complicated than just those three things I just listed off. Yeah, I mean, I think Van's a really, really explosive player. I think South Carolina's number one concern, obviously, is they need a guy back there who's going to be dependable, who's going to catch the football. I mean, that's obviously that's the first thing you've got to do, uh, and I think that's the only reason Brian Edwards has been working out back there. Um, because Brian Edwards, let's be honest, he's just not a guy, a prototypical guy that's going to go back there and be your punt returner. Um, I, I agree with you 100%. I, it's going to bother me if Jemias Williams isn't returning punts this year because anybody who watched five seconds of his high school film knows what he can do with the football in his hands. I mean, he, ha, he has a Debo Samuel-esque type 
playmaking ability. I know it's just high school film, but as far as the way he cuts and the way he moves, and I mean, he looks a lot like a guy like Ace Sanders, how he was yeah. just kind of a, you know, he could, he could weave, bob and weave in and out of traffic. I mean, I'd love to see Jamias Williams with the ball in his hands, but I, this is going to be a really, really interesting one because, again, I'm not sure it's a battle that's really going to be solved by week one. And, I mean, obviously, if we see the first guy they put out there struggle, they're going to have other options. So, if I had to predict right now, I don't know. I, it's tough for me because I'm not sure if they're going to go with the most explosive guy or the safest guy. Like, I, I'm not really sure at that because I think, again, Jam Williams is going to be the most explosive guy you can put back there at punt returner. But maybe a guy like Keyshawn Nixon that's a little bit older, a little bit more experienced. I mean, a guy like Rashad Fenton wouldn't be a bad choice. I mean, again, a guy that has done it before. He was on kick return in 2015, took a kickoff back to the house against LSU. So he's a guy that's done it in the return game as well. But, again, I, I just think Jamias Williams, they have to know what he can do with the football. And I, that Again, that's something that coaches – they know a lot more football than we do. They've watched a lot more football. They've obviously coached a lot more football. So uh, they're going to put the right guy back there, and obviously they they know, you know what uh, what those guys are capable of. It's really interesting, Tom. You know, they're uh, it's been a big part of the discussion what they're doing in fall practice. They're actually going live with punt returns because they feel like they've you know they really have. They've had it's been such an adventure in the punt return game. They're actually going live with that in practice. You know, normally that's something that's kind of simulated. It's not really a full out drill. They're going live with it. So I think that's definitely going to be beneficial as well. I think something that South Carolina probably should have been doing from the get-go. Um, so, again, it's going to be really interesting to see if they go with the experience or if they go with the guy that could be most explosive at that position. Um, so I want to talk about why they'll be better, why they'll be worse. want to start with why the special teams will be better in 2018. Tom, I told you in pre-show I stole the thunder. I stole the most obvious answer. The return of Debo Samuel, a full healthy season from Debo Samuel. I mean, after he got hurt a year ago, obviously the South Carolina special teams and kick return game, it just wasn't the same. And I mean, the offense wasn't the same. This team wasn't the same. Having Debo Samuel for a full season healthy is going to transform and make this special teams that much more dynamic. I think he's a guy, like we mentioned earlier, that could finish up with five or six kick returns for touchdowns. He's a guy that could be one of the best playmakers in the entire country. And if South Carolina, you know, dare I say it, finds a way to go 11-1, and 12-0, I know that sounds kind of crazy. But if they find a way, let's just say, to make it to Atlanta, if they can beat Georgia in week two and find their way to Atlanta, Debo Samuel could be a guy that is very much realistically in the Heisman conversation. If he can, you know, you looked at what kind of pace he was on a season ago. If he could continue to do that. But overall, just from a special teams perspective, before I get carried away and kind of give away next week's show. Uh, the return of Debo Samuel having him healthy for an entire season is going to make this special teams just that much better. So I think that's going to make them a lot better in 2018. I mean, yeah, I agree with you when it comes to Debo Samuel. I mean, if he can stay healthy and be on the field, his ratio was two touchdowns a game last year. And I think if a non-quarterback has 24 touchdowns and you're you're having a pretty good year, you know, regardless of what's going on, unless you're like Kansas and have just one dude getting the ball the entire time and not winning any games. But Absolutely. my I, why they'll be better next year, I think Parker White will be improved. I think that, you know, especially on – I think on kickoffs, you know, a year under his belt, I think that we didn't even have any kickoffs turn last year. Pretty positive on that one. But um, he kicks out of the end zone a lot of times. Don't blame you there. No chance they can return the ball then. I mean, I think he's a freak. He's got a monster leg. He, I mean, he shoots piss missiles down the field on kickoff. <laughs> I just, you know, I think he's got – I think he's going to – I think – Obviously, they brought Shane Hines in for a reason, but I think if Parker White, with his leg and the size of how far, how long he can just absolutely kick the ball, I think that if he can be consistent next year, that we're going to have a really good year on special teams. 
Yeah, he was really good a year ago uh, on kickoffs. And it's interesting that, you know, they asked uh, they asked Hutzler about, you know, would you rather have a guy – he would actually have rather have a guy, one that kicks field goals and one that does kickoffs. But, you know, he said sometimes, obviously, you can't have that. In today's game, it's more more common that a guy does both. But kind of interesting to hear those comments as well. I mean, even if Parker White, you know, no offense to him, even if he loses the job at kicker, he might remain the guy on kickoffs. So, uh, I'd be interesting would. to watch. Yeah. And why they'll be worse um, – Kind of piggybacking off what you were just talking about, Tom. If if the South Carolina D, or special teams, excuse me, if the South Carolina special teams is worse in 2018, it could be because nobody emerges at that kicker position. I mean, you talked about it. A guy like Shane Hines transfers in from Kent State. He wasn't all that great a year ago. I mean, the guy again, he only went nine for 15. And no offense, that's a, that's at a school like Kent State where. Yes, the staff had said, you know, he kicks some game winners, he kicks some OT kicks, he kicks some big kicks. What's the biggest crowd he's ever played in front of? 20,000 people? I mean, it's it's a lot different of a scenario when there's 85,000, it's 31-31, and South Carolina needs a game-winning field goal to, to beat the Georgia Bulldogs, right? And that's that's a lot bigger – that's a much, much bigger scenario, much different environment. So if Shane Hines can't come in and at least push Parker White and Wozniak – and make someone emerge as that number one guy, that could be another scenario where South Carolina is, you know, just just crippled in the kicking game. And it may be, it may come to a scenario with this new up tempo offense, maybe being more aggressive, where they're just gonna have to start going with going forward on fourth downs at least outside of 40 yards. Cause I just I can't see a scenario in which they let a South Carolina kicker kick it 25 times again, especially kick it 14 times from 40 or longer. I just can't see a scenario where they let a guy do that if he's not hitting them early. So, yeah, I mean, if they start off bad, I think that they're going to must have some really. Hey, we should just start. If we're inside the fifty, we're going forward on fourth down because we're not. So we yeah, go you have it. to. I, you just have to. If you're from the fifty to like the thirty-five, it's like why even just go forward on fourth down if you're fourth and short? There's no point. But you know, why they'll be worse to me? I think you know, not something we haven't really talked that much about. You know, kickoff coverage and punt, punt coverage. But you know, you lose Chris Lamont, Marcus King, and DJ Smith, all three guys who played coverage for you and I think that losing all three of them if they're not replaced and replaced well then you know that's something that could hurt us next year last uh, this year because you know last year no punt returns for touchdowns no kickoff return for touchdowns against us so I think that you know our coverage has to stay you know equally as good as it was last year because obviously your target goal is zero but I think if losing those three guys can end up hurting us in ways we just don't know right now yeah and you you also mentioned well Muschamp mentioned Chavis Dawkins which I was going to get into some camp tidbits here in a little bit but Chavis Dawkins is out for a week or two with a sprained ankle and Will Muschamp mentioned that he's a he's been a huge guy for them on special teams I think on probably punt team I don't think he's on kickoff team but uh, definitely on punt yeah probably punt team and I mean you know he talked about some young guys have got to step up so I mean I could definitely see that being an issue I mean people take again people take special teams for granted but South Carolina fans for sure know how it can change a game when you give up a 97 yarder to the house so I, I mean it, being able to not only be good in the return game, but be good in coverage. I mean, I 100% agree with you is is definitely going to be something to watch and going to be an area where they're going to need to be good again this season. Um, overall, you know, we're going to talk about overall prediction, Tom, for 2018 for the special teams unit. Uh, we look back on this season in January, similar how we predicted for the offense and the defense. What do you think the story, the storyline or the main, uh, the main wrap on this special teams unit is going to be when we look back on the season? Uh, Parker White. Shoot, I mean, hits above 65% of his field goals. I think that he's going to be the one that comes out and wins the job. I think that they really, honestly, like the back in my head is telling me they just brought Shane Hines in just for competition to make Parker better. 
And that's obviously a crappy thing to do, Shane. But, you know, if it makes Parker a better kicker for the long run, I'm here for it. I think that you get, you know, this year, if he has a good year, and then you get two more pretty good years out of him, I think he could be not Elliot Fry, obviously, because that's one of the best kickers, the best kicker in school history. I think if he can be something close to it, then, you know, we'll take that any day of the week. As far as coverage goes, obviously the goal is zero and zero for punt, for punt, punt return against you and kick return against you. I think if we hit that, obviously having a good year there because you don't give up explosive plays, plays that change the game. I think, well, then, you know, obviously look at punting, you know, I think Charles is going to have a good year. I don't think, you know, you, I don't think it'd be hard for him to take a step back, you know. And then, you know, looking at punt return, I think if Jemias or just anybody can take a punt back this year, we'll take it. Yeah, no, if they can just hold on to the ball, I think we'll take it at this point. Yeah, yeah a, a touchdown in the punt return game would be huge. But, yeah, my overall prediction for 2018, it's a very interesting prediction, by the way, on the Shane Hines thing. It's it's not a bad one because I will say, in, you know, Will Muschamp's definitely not a guy who told Shane Hines, like, hey, come in, it's your last year, we'll go ahead and start you. Like, I'm pretty sure Will Muschamp told Shane Hines, hey, if you want to transfer here, you can, and we're going to have an open competition, and you – you're going to have a chance to win the job. So at the end of the day, if Shane Hines is on the bench, I mean, he has nobody to blame but himself because yeah. he didn't kick well enough in preseason camp. So my overall prediction for 2018, I, I'm not going to predict who the starting kicker is going to be because I have no clue, but I'm going to say they're going to be better in that department in field goals just because I don't think they could be much worse. If they could be, I hope we don't see it. Um, but I think they'll be better in that department. I don't think they'll kick nearly as many field goals as they did a year ago. I think South Carolina's coaching staff and offensive staff is going to be much more cautious. You actually heard them talk about it. You you heard you heard uh, Coleman Hutzler talk about it the other day, where you know they admitted they put Parker White in way too many scenarios where forty plus, where he maybe shouldn't have been kicking. And they they he you know he talked about as an offensive staff, the offensive staff Brian McClendon and Dan Werner are going to look. You know if it's if it's fourth and three, we might need to consider going for it. Versus if it's fourth and nine, yeah, let's give it a shot. Let's take the field goal, but. I think South Carolina is just going to be much more aggressive on offense and not rely on these 42, 43, 45-yard field goals, kind of the way they did a year ago. Um, you know, I, I think Debo Samuel is going to have a fantastic year. I, I just don't have any doubt in that. Um, and I think South Carolina is going to find a capable guy at punt returner. Will it? Again, <laughs> it's hard to predict if it's going to be the explosive guy or the experienced guy that's more of a safer pick. You know, I hope they go with a Jam Williams, you know, a little bit more upside there, but we'll have to see what the coaching staff decides on. But I think overall this is going to be a solid unit for South Carolina. And then, of course, I don't want to forget Joseph Charlton. I think he's going to have another fantastic year and be an all-SEC all SEC caliber punter for you. But, you know, I think overall it'll be a solid year for the Gamecock special teams. And, honestly, the special teams is a lot like uh, uh, the, the college football offseason. With the special teams, no news is good news. So if we don't hear a lot from the special teams this season, Tom, I think we can agree we'll be pretty ecstatic. So, yeah, I agree. <laughs> no, no offense to the specialists. I always have to give a show some love and get a shout out to the SC Specialist Twitter account. Those guys, I think it was Ellie, Elliot Fry and Patrick Fish and those guys that started that originally. But you got to show love to special teams. You know what they do for your for your football team, and uh, you know kickers and punters are football players too. So don't ever forget that. Specialists um, matter. Specialists matter for sure. Uh, want to move into some camp tidbits. I know I didn't have them listed here, Tom, but I do want to talk a little bit about what's going on in fall camp. Um, I was able to go to Fan Day on Saturday. If you weren't there and you saw me and didn't say anything, shame on you. Um, <laughs> I I was unfortunately a, uh, unable to get in the offense line due to them cutting it off, and I was standing there just hoping someone would ask me to or let me allow them to cut them in line, but they did not. So if you were there and didn't say anything, again, shame on you. But anyways, um, you know, 
not too much going on from South Carolina camp. The Gamecocks did have a scrimmage on Saturday morning and then yesterday. Again, we're recording this on Tuesday night, the 14th. They had a scrimmage on Monday as well. You know, Will Muschamp seems pretty pleased as far as, you know, how the offense is progressing, the tempo. Uh, you know, he said that on, in, from the from the Saturday scrimmage, he said that the safeties were really struggling. You know, he said Stephen Montag was having a really good camp, but guys like Jamias Williams, Nick Harvey, just were not coming along. Um, after Monday's scrimmage, he was a little bit more upbeat about it. You know, and you know, basically saying that Jam Williams, Nick Harvey, those guys are playing much, much better. Uh, it kind of concerns me. I'm not hearing anything about Jalen Dickerson, but you know, take that for what you worth. But you know, to me, Tom. Just speaking on that really quickly, I think people were so quick to jump the gun, and I just saw some people that were kind of, you know, really nervous about the safety position after Saturday. I mean, to me, Will Muschamp is going to be harder on safeties than any position on the field because he played the position. Like, no kidding, he's not happy with the safeties. I, I don't think he's going to be happy with the safeties all season, even if they're making plays. So, um, you know, we talk about what, what are your feelings? I mean. Is the safety position, after hearing his comments, is that one that you're really, really concerned about, or do you think it's Will Muschamp just, you know, kind of challenging those guys and being harder on that position than any other? I think it's a former player being harder on a position he played than, you know. I, I mean, obviously, you know, I played offensive line in high school. If I was a coach offensive line, I'd be harder on them because I know what it takes to be a good offensive lineman. And that's what Muschamp, the same way he approaches right. it, I guess. So, when you look at it there, I mean, you know, Steven Montag's a guy I've always said is underrated. I think, you know, if he, I think he can have a big year this year. He may play a big play, big interception against Michigan last year. I feel like he's, you know, he laid out a guy against Arkansas. He's a guy that makes big plays. And I think if he has a bunch of consistency this year, which we didn't really see that much last year and the year before that, think that'll be a big boost. You know, I think if Jemias can have a smooth transition, which apparently he's having for the most part, you know, have one bad skirmish. But if he can have a smooth transition there, you know, JT Ibe, if he can get, you know, get going should and be, get on the field. Just quick, should be clear tomorrow, according to Muschamp, or today, whenever you're listening to this podcast. So they should be getting him back this week. Okay, Continue. well, yeah, obviously having him back is a big boost. Grad transfer a guy that can teach a guy like Jemis how to play the position better than, you know, play a position in today's current game. And I think, you know, I just think that I think he's giving them a little too much crap. I think that they, I think they're going to be all right. I think they're going to be good this year, but obviously we'll have to wait and see. Yeah, I mean, I don't know. I mean, he's challenging the guys. I don't mind it. But again, on Monday he was, you know, said he was really happy with those guys. It was a lot, lot better practice. Said the biggest thing for those guys was, you know, and I think anyone that's been an athlete that's listening to this show, and you and I, Tom, we can relate. As an athlete, when you even if you have the athletic ability, when you don't a hundred, you're not a hundred percent sure what you're doing. You're not going to move full speed. Yeah, you're thinking too much. And he said that's kind of what's happening right now. And I mean, you can't blame Jamias. Was he hadn't played the position? I mean, he, he was a corner last year and played in the nickel. He didn't play safety. So um, one of the big bright spots that I've taken away sticking with defense is uh, J.C. Horn and Israel Mukwamu. I mean, Will Muschamp continues to heap praise on those two guys, especially J.C. Horn. Um, you know, they talked about. Uh, Muschamp talked about J.C. Horn going up against Debo Samuel and really holding his own with him. Um, said he batted away along, you know, a deep pass in the scrimmage on Monday. You know, not to say you told you so because the season hadn't happened yet, but, you know, we talked a lot last week on our defensive uh, defensive season preview series show about a guy like J.C. Horn, Israel Okamu. These guys are going to play a ton. And I'll tell you, just sticking with J.C. Horn, Tom, it, I mean, it's sounding like to me more and more that, he might be the starting corner on day one. I mean, I, they really, really like this kid a lot. Yeah, I mean, I like the way he plays. I think if you just look over, you, I, his dad was an NFL pre, pretty good player in the NFL, Joe Horn. 
Obviously, play his receiver. Dad tweeted at us, by the way. I should admit his dad tweeted at us, which I thought was really cool. But go yeah. ahead. So anyway, um, you know, I, there was that picture that came out of the wide receiver or the cornerbacks, and then Brian Edwards in there too. He looked almost the same size as Brian Edwards. He's supposed to be. He's like six, six two. He's a yeah. big dude. Six two, six three. You know, two ten. I th- I think you know if Jason Horn's that size as a freshman, just imagine what he's going to be in two years of being in that strength program with Dillman. And obviously. I think he's playing with the first-team defense because if you didn't see that video of Brian Edwards snagging the ball the other day, it was J.C. Horn in coverage. And obviously, Brian Edwards is a first-team receiver. So, if you look at that, obviously, it's got to tell you that either, A, J.C. Horn is starting somewhere on defense, or, B, that he's at least in the rotation extremely heavy, which is a good sign for us. I think, you know, if Mukwamu can come along and play well, then that's obviously great. But I think J.C. Horn, if he, I think he's the kind of guy who could have a really, really good freshman year. Yeah, speaking of that snag, my God. I mean, what a yeah. what, what a catch. For those that missed you on the Gamecock football uh, Twitter and Instagram accounts, I mean, Brian Edwards just showing you why he is he's one of the one yeah. of the best, you know, one of the best wide receivers in the country, in my opinion. He's very underrated and he's gonna prove that this season. Um another guy kind of moving, I guess we'll stick defense. We've been talking defense a ton, but <clears throat> sticking with defense, excuse me. It, uh, Jamel Cook and Josh Belk still awaiting to hear from the NCAA on their eligibility. It's Again, it's Tuesday. We still have not heard anything. The coaching staff seems to be fairly optimistic. I mean, you've seen a ton of other guys get their waivers cleared. Latest in UGA getting another five-star guy, his waiver cleared, a wide receiver. Um, I think Florida just had one as well. I'll tell you this, though. Going back to – and I'm getting a little bit off topic, but going back to Jamel Cook, he's a 6'4 safety transfer from Southern Cal. Um, I don't know if maybe I've just never paid attention this closely or maybe i just forgotten, but I just don't – has South Carolina ever had a defensive backfield with this many guys that are just huge, like just tall-wise? I mean, I've never heard of one 6'4 defensive back, much less two. I mean, th- yeah. that is just insane. It's crazy. I don't really – I don't understand how kids can get that big and still be able to move so fast and play the position that well. If, like, if you're 6'4", you automatically should be playing <laughs> linebacker or defense line, but – I mean, I, I can't, if he if he's eligible and we see Maquamu and Jamel Cook on the field at the same time, and then a guy like J.C. Horn who's like 6'2", I mean, that's going to be yeah. an absurd-looking defensive back. I mean, that, I remember watching us play Kentucky last year, and it just seems like their DBs were just huge. And I was like, God, it would be great to have some guys like that. Because obviously, Chris Lamonds and all those other guys played corner and safety were good, but they were like 5'10", 5'11". And there's a big difference when you're on a football field compared to 6'2 and 5'10", you know. I just think, you know, obviously, I think Muschamp, one of his biggest things coming in was, you know, we've got to get bigger and more athletic on the defensive back side. And that's something they've done. Yeah, no, absolutely, absolutely. And, again, uh, you know, we hope nothing but the best on these NCAA waivers. I mean, I'd love to see both guys eligible. I saw Josh Belk at Fan Day on Saturday. And as you probably all saw on Twitter, he's an absolute mammoth of a human being. He's a beast. I don't think I don't think he's a guy that would play right away. I don't know that he's really in that physical shape. Obviously, Tom, you have his takes on – some of the things he needs to work on, but undoubtedly there's nobody on that South Carolina roster on that defensive line that looks like him physically. And if he's a guy that can maybe midway through the season, he, he's a guy that could take great advantage of that red shirt rule. Just let him play four games. Cause I think by, by game five, game six, he might be in like true game shape. And he's a guy that, Hey, when you go on the road to Oxford, when you go on the road to Gainesville, Maybe when you go on the road to Clemson, he's a guy that might be able to help you out to stop the run. So getting those two guys eligible 
I think it's going to be huge for South Carolina. And really, to me, it's just going to be a huge disappointment from the NCAA if they don't, because it seems like to me they've let everyone else in the country get the get their eligibility. So I don't really know what the NCAA is doing at this point. But, Tom, you made a great point that the NCAA and South Carolina just do not seem to get along together very well. Yeah, so they hate each other. I, I don't really know. Um, overall, I'm going to wrap it up because, again, we said this show is going to be pretty quick and it's going pretty long. Obviously, there, again, there's just football in the air. I mean, there's plenty of football to talk yeah. about. Um, just moving to the offense kind of from the scrimmages. Uh, the big thing I've heard that's been great, I mean, obviously there hasn't been a ton come out. We know the up-tempo, South Carolina's moving fast. I mean, I think everything's going pretty smoothly. Obviously, the Chav- Chavis Dawkins injury isn't great. seen a lot of videos of Josh Van making some pretty big catches, and I tweeted this out uh, on my personal Twitter account over the weekend. Don't be surprised if Josh Van is a guy that takes advantage of Chavis Dawkins being out a week or two and becomes that fifth wide receiver. I tried to, you know, I, I've told people in the preseason, again, I don't think Josh Mann's going to play a ton because, you know, you've got Debo, you got Brian, you got Ortrey, you got Shy. Boom. That's your first four. I mean, that's, you know, I don't know how much South Carolina is going to go five wide. It's probably not going to be, you know, a ton, I wouldn't imagine. But Josh Van is going to be a guy, mark my word, that's going to wow you, more, I think, a couple of times this season. I mean, he is a guy that can go, go make plays. He's explosive. He's got speed. I don't think he's a guy that they're going to be able to redshirt. I think he's going to play in more than four games. I mean, it's he. I think he's going to be this year's Shy Smith and is a guy that can really help out this wide receiver unit that, granted, just does not need the help because they've got all the guys they can handle. But, um, you know, I think Josh Van Tom, I mean, I, I'm really, really excited. I was excited when I watched his film in high school, and I'm excited now that he's on campus kind of watching some of the practice videos. I just – I can't wait to see what this kid can do with the football in his hands. Yeah, I mean, he's a freak. I can't him and you know another guy that I think I can't wait to see and you know we just talked about him but Jamel Cook I mean I don't think we're talking about you know a guy that, that could affect us that much if he was to play right now and be eligible he probably end up starting at safety yeah yeah I mean that a guy with he was a five star recruit for a reason I mean a guy yeah. with that type Six, of four. physical ability and yeah I mean it's two years he's not one of the best be in the rotation. football programs in the country I mean obviously rich history at Southern Cal I think there's no way you, you he wouldn't be at least a very good rotational player, if not an everyday, an every game starter. Yeah, no, I, I 100% agree. I mean, and that's another thing. I think people almost aren't taking it seriously until those guys are given their eligibility. But I think the second they are, that excitement level is going to hit the roof because you're realizing, hey, these guys can play. So, um, you know, it'll be, it should be really, really exciting. Hopefully, again, hopefully the NCAA cooperates. Last thing, I want to wrap it up again. I know I've kind of went a little bit longer than I expected, but Brad Crawford, our good friend, good friend of the show. Actually tweeted this out today. Heard it from Rico Dowdle himself and from Will Muschamp uh, that Rico Dowdle was challenged by Coach Muschamp in the spring. Uh, Muschamp responded to Dowdle, I guess, either in the summer, beginning of fall camp. Basically said he passed the challenge of flying colors. Brad Crawford then tweets today, and I'm going to be paraphrasing, but basically said he's got a text from someone saying that Rico Dowdle is by far the number one running back. He's having an absolutely fantastic fall camp, and he may be one of the best players on the South Carolina offense. Tom, how much does that excite you to hear that maybe Rico Dowdle has finally – I don't want to say he wasn't fully committed to football a year ago, but maybe that Rico Dowdle has finally come into his own and maybe he's ready to take over as the number one running back for South Carolina. I mean, he's a. I mean, I think when he's on, he's really on. You look at games like Tennessee and Missouri, you know, two years ago. I think if he can have a really good year for us and make the running game have something of like – texture and you know some bounce to it I think that that'll be really good for us it'll take some pressure off of Jake I think that you know 
I just think that they have to have a bell cow back. A bell cow back. I can't. I just don't think that the rotational stuff's going to work. Obviously, having AJ Turner on third downs is something you're going to need. But I think, and I, I would want a heavy dose of Rico or a heavy dose of Tyson and Tyson and just a little bit of the other. I mean, that's how I think I'd add a, how, how it would have to be for me. Yeah, I understand. Agree. And again, we talked about this in our offense and preview, but I think it's going to just be so vital that. Again, it's great to have options. They've got three very capable backs. But, again, at the end of the day, when it's third and one, when it's fourth and one, who are you giving the ball to? When it's fourth and goal, who are you giving the football? You need to have that guy. And there were too many times a season ago where it looked like South Carolina was guessing. They didn't know who to have in there. There were a lot of questionable, like, why do you have Tyson Williams in in fourth and one? He's not even your biggest running back. Just stuff like that. It's, I mean, it, it, it fires me up to hear Rico Dowdle, you know, just to kind of see he's another guy, just stay healthy. He's going to be a huge, huge cog in this offense. And, uh, oh, yeah, for what it's worth, Will Muschamp updated in the scrimmage on Monday that on a third and one, Tyson Williams had a 60-yard touchdown run. So you yeah. never know what might happen with that. But um, that's going to pretty much wrap up this segment of the Spurs Up show as far as our special teams previews, some camp tidbits. Want to move into an interview now with 2020 quarterback commit Luke Doty that Tom was gracious enough to run and that Luke was gracious enough to sit in on. So, again, we appreciate you tuning in to our season preview series portion of the Spurs Up show. Now enjoy this interview with 2020 quarterback commit Luke Doty. All right, welcome to the part two of the Spurs Up show here with uh, 2020 commit quarterback of the Myrtle Beach Seahawks, Luke Doty. Luke, how you doing? Man, I'm great. I'm great. How's Myrtle Beach treating you? <laughs> Man, it's uh, we're just living the dream here, baby. It's all awesome. Dirty Myrtle. <laughs> um, anyway, right. Luke, I think you have, if I count it right, 14 Power 5 offers. Is mm-hmm. that correct? All right, yes, got, got you right so. there. All right, uh, let's look. You played slot and quarterback last year. How did that work? Yeah. I um I started the season out as uh our, our starting quarterback our uh our senior that we had last year he uh he got a little, hurt a little bit and um so I stepped in and you know took over for a little bit and then uh when when he was healthy again um uh, you know I moved right back into uh you know slot receiver and uh really just had a lot of fun with it I mean it was a uh, a good experience for me um you know definitely is going to help me as a as a quarterback and, um, you know, uh, overall a football player. Yeah, well, I mean, I, I watched your highlights earlier today, and you're very aggressive in the slot. I like to see it because it shows you that you can actually run when you're, in, when you're out of the yeah. pocket just on quarterback draws. You absolutely were burning people, man. It was ridiculous to watch. Yeah. <laughs> but um, so how's Myrtle Beach looking this year? What can we expect from the Seahawks? Man, uh, we're looking really good. Um, we had our, our jamboree um, the other night, Friday. And, uh, I mean, we, we put on a show. And, um, I mean, we, we've got a lot of guys that, um, you know, have been in the system for a while. Um, a lot of seniors that, um, again, have been in the system a while. So, um, you know, they're comfortable um, and I'm comfortable. You know, um, I, I think our, we don't have a, a single um, non-starter that we didn't have last year. Um, so we've got a, a really a – really, experienced team that um i think is going to do some uh some big things this year all right sounds good man how um you know obviously summer season is seven on seven along with camps how's that been going for you man it's been good it's been really good um i mean beginning of the summer you know traveling around going to uh going to camps and stuff and then um workouts every morning so um you know it's 
it's definitely been a, a whirlwind, but um, you know, we're we're happy to see it come to an end with the Gamecocks. Obviously, you know, committed to South Carolina. It's been a grind. Glad you're committed to the Gamecocks, but go ahead and tell us why you chose to commit to South Carolina. Well, I mean, I, I really just think um, you know, South Carolina's always been home. And uh, you know, the the fact of just, you know, playing for my home state, um, you know, playing for South Carolina um has always meant a lot to me. And uh like I said, it's that's that's always been home for us. You know, they've always treated us like family, um, you know, since day one and um, you know, that that really means a lot to me and my family. And I think, you know, with you can see that with every most every commit that you know, goes to South Carolina, I think that the common factor is that Will Muschamp and staff treats them like family. That's a big thing to me, and I think most commits really take that and appreciate that, you know, because not, not a lot of coaches treat players with a level of respect and attention mm-hmm. that Muschamp gives the players. But, um, okay, next question. Uh, how's your relationship with Coach Warner? How, do you, how, do you, how does that work? Well, I mean, he's, uh, I mean he's, been, he's been awesome throughout this process. And, uh, you know, I, I try to give him a call at least once or twice a week. And, um, you know, the line, like I said, the lines of communication are always open. And, um, you know, we, we've, de- we've definitely developed a, a really good relationship um, just over the, you know, the couple months that he's been there. Um, and, you know, he, he's really done a lot. And, um, you know, I, I really look forward to, uh, you know, getting, you know, being able to be coached by him and, uh, yeah. you know, just see what, what he likes to do with, with his quarterbacks. And, I mean, it's, it's definitely, um, you know, shown how well he does in the past. Well, you know, when you look at your play style, you're, I would say, you know, more mobile quarterback, guy who can get around. Mm-hmm. And when you compare that to guys that Warner's recruited in the past, such as Shea Patterson, Jordan Tamu, mm-hmm. both quarterbacks who were recruited by Warner and will probably have a lot of success this year and be, you know, household names if I had to guess. I don't know much as Tamu about – I know Patterson will be at Michigan. Mm-hmm. When you look at the talent he's recruited along with, obviously, Ryan Holinsky in the 2019 class, does it make, yeah. you, does it make you have a good feeling about your talent level and what you can do as a quarterback? Yeah, absolutely. Um, you know, with the, I mean, the guys that you just named, um, you know, Helensky especially, I mean, he's a great guy and, you know, an amazing athlete. And um, I definitely think that says a lot about, um, you know, Coach Warner too. Uh, you know, he knows what he's looking for in a quarterback. And, um, you know, he's definitely had some great ones along the way. And, uh, you know, I'm just really excited to be uh, excited to be the next one. Okay. Well, uh, when you look at you know talking about Helensky, when you look at the quarter current back room at South Carolina with Jake Bentley, DeCarion Joiner, Jay Yurick, Ron Helensky to join in this December, and then you in twenty twenty, mm-hmm. are you willing to say that this is the most talented quarterback room in the SEC? Yeah, I mean, I, I don't know if you saw it. Uh, I think Brian Helensky said, uh, you know, best quarterback room in the nation, and I, uh, I don't think he's got that wrong one bit. I definitely think that's a. Uh, very high-powered quarterback room and, um, you know, big names and uh, a, a lot of great athleticism. So he's uh, he's definitely not mistaken there. You know, I did see that you're on a 4-4 40-yard dash. Is that true? Yeah, it's, it may have uh, gotten a little bit slower, but we'll we'll keep it at 4-4. <laughs> okay. I just saw it and I was like, man, we could get a quarterback to come in and runs a 4-4. And you're, yeah. I think I read that you're also about 6-3 now. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I'm getting there. Getting there. <laughs> Man, that's crazy. Yeah. Four four at six three, and now, yeah. from your highlights, I've seen you know you do a really good job of your mobile, and you can throw the ball on the run because mm-hmm. there was a lot of times where you would roll to the left and just make dime passes in between zone yeah. coverage. And <laughs> I was just like, man, I don't know how this kid does this. At such a young age because you were a sophomore last year, yeah. and I'm just like, it doesn't make any sense. <laughs> yeah, so, man, still, 
Got a lot to work on, though. <laughs> well, you know, Always. I think I, – I can't remember. I thought like I saw this somewhere where you had, like, one of the highest Nike, like, the opening – one of the, some kind of score. You had one of the highest. Yeah, the Nike opening. Um, I think it was uh, – I think I was number one for quarterbacks in my class. And um, I, I think it was, like, top ten for, like, overall recruits in my class. So, I mean, that was uh, really exciting to be a part of. I mean, especially with – you know, you, you've got guys that are – you know, going out there and doing amazing things, um, you know, that are up a lot more athletic. And, <laughs> uh, I mean, just they're, they're freak athletes. And, you know, just to be among those guys, you know, that uh, that really means a lot. Well, you know, when you look at when I've seen your film, and I think, you know, you play really well, but what are some things you think you can improve on going forward that, that would have to make mm-hmm. Myrtle Beach successful and then you be a successful quarterback yeah. at South Carolina? I mean, definitely, I think just, you know, I mean, this is the case with all quarterbacks, you know, just, um, you know, reading a defense. Um, and I, I mean, I don't think, you know, people realize, you know, just how difficult it is to, you know, you have to make a decision in, you know, 0.5 seconds and, you know, get the ball out. And, um, you know, I think that's definitely something that, you know, I want to keep improving on. And um, I definitely think that I can take my game to the next level if, uh, you know, I, I can identify defense quick and, uh, you know, know where the weaknesses are and, you know, be able to deliver the ball in those weaknesses. Because not a lot of people, like you just said, not a lot of people understand that you having to go between cover four, cover three, cover six sometimes. Yeah, exactly. And I'm sure exactly. then, then if you go trip sometimes, you'll have man coverage on the right, iso ball. It's not yeah. something that the everyday fan is going to understand yeah. that's going on. <laughs> um, you know, it's hard for me to understand. I'm 19, <laughs> so I, you know, been around football my entire life. So for guys who just sit on the couch, never, you know, play a snap football in their life, I'm sure it's pretty hard. Yeah, but you no know, when you look at NFL quarterbacks, which quarterback do you think you can compare your game the most to? Um, I mean, I would like to say Tom Brady. Um, I mean, he's the best in the game, and uh, you know, that's that's kind of just you know who I who I strive to be like every day, and uh, you know, stepping out onto the you know, the field, um, you know, whether it be practice, whether it be, um, you know, a, a Friday night game, whether it be, um, you know, 6 a.m. workouts, uh, you know, just show up and be great. Um, and I, I think that's definitely something that um, that he stands for. And, uh, you know, that's something that, um, you know, I've taken notice of since, you know, I was a little kid. And uh, like I said, just trying to, you know, mirror that greatness and, uh, you know, try to get the level that he's at and, um, you know, just keep working. Well, it's good that you want to compare yourself to the GOAT, you know, Tom Brady, not Aaron <laughs> Rodgers for any of those haters out yeah. there. But, um, yeah, no doubt. You, you know, when I watched your film, I compared you a lot to Cam, honestly, with the way that you run with, you know, mm-hmm. no no self-awareness for, you know, who's around you. You're just going to run the ball hard. It doesn't matter. Yeah. And I, I like seeing that because, you know, there was one play you made. I think – I can't remember if it was a draw or you just pulled it on its own and you just, like, burn a corner in a safety to the yeah, outside. Was, I was, was just like – I know what play you're talking about, yeah. I was just like, how does this kid do this, man? Like, it's insane. But, um, yeah, man. you know, <laughs> talking about Cyclone, you know, when you look at the receivers that Cyclone currently has, would you say that – would you love to th- have, you know, be able to throw to a Brian Edwards or a Shine or Trey Smith in two or three years? Oh, yeah, absolutely. <laughs> I mean, no you know, I mean, you I think – You can't pass that up. I think most people are saying that, you know, South Carolina Ole Miss had the two most, you know, talented wide receiver cores. And, mm-hmm. you know, Jamario Holly's in the next – is a commit in the next class. I'm sure you'll, there'll be some more great players with, you know, Brian McClendon being the OC yeah. and being over the offense now. But when you look at the way Brian McClendon is now – 
tutoring the offense to the high speed, you know, high speed, going to get the ball out. How do you think your game will be improved with that offense? Or do you, what do you think about that? Well, I mean, that's kind of like, um, that's a lot like what we do at Myrtle beach, um, you know, high tempo, um, you know, get the ball out quick in space to, uh, you know, the many playmakers that we have and, uh, you know, just let them go to work. And, uh, you know, as a quarterback, it makes our job easy when, you know, you've got those guys that you can count on to, you know, make big plays and, um, you know, get up the field and, um, like I said, just really make big plays. And, I mean, I think that that's going to be a, a great asset for me this year, um, you know, that I've got guys around me that know how to make big plays and um, that have been in that situation before. So, um, yeah, I mean, I, I think it's going to be awesome. Well, hope you guys have a great year. You know, when you think about how South Carolina has, you know, recruited quarterbacks recently, especially with Werner and the way that their play style is the – Get the ball out fast. Let your playmakers make plays exactly like yeah. you just said. And I think, you know, with you doing that in high school, it's easy. It's going to translate really well to your game in college. Obviously, you're going to, have to be competing a lot with a guy like Ron Holinsky and, you know, mm-hmm. to carry on and Jay still being there when you get there, most likely, if I had to guess. But um, anyway, good luck against – I think you guys opened up with Hannah, Hanahan. Hanahan, yes, sir. Week Hanahan. one, how pumped are you for that? Man, we're uh... – I just I got back from my uh, my offensive coordinator's house uh, about an hour or two ago. We were uh, we were watching a little bit of film on him and kind of game planning and um, you know putting some things in place that you know we we think will be successful for us. And uh, I, we're really just looking forward to it. We're uh, we're really excited. You got any score predictions for us? How bad are you gonna beat up on them? <laughs> <laughs> I don't know if I want to do that now, but <laughs> all, right, all right, just one more question. You know, if you had to guess your stat worry. line for this year. In terms of passing yards, passing touchdowns, rushing yards, rushing touchdowns, and interceptions, what do you think it's going to be like? I mean, I d- hopefully we'll have no interceptions, but um, <laughs> hopefully we can uh, we can uh, get a zero in that box. But um, you never know how things are going to go. But uh, I mean, I'd I'd like to uh, have at least twenty five plus touchdowns, uh, maybe thirty, um, and I definitely think it, it's definitely doable. Um, you know a couple thousand yards, um, both, you know, passing and rushing. I mean, that'd be, that'd be pretty awesome. Um, and I mean, hopefully go get a ring. Yeah. That's the name <laughs> of the game. Win. That's right. That's right. Uh, well, you know, good luck against hand to hand ball out for Gamecock nation. You got any words for the armchair Cyclone fans and Gamecock fans across the hopefully country. You no, know, we know state, <laughs> maybe we got some cross state fans, <laughs> man, just I'm, I'm more than happy to be Gamecock and, um, you know, I, I'm really excited to uh, to be a part of this awesome family and to, uh, you know, just to, to be able to play for my home state. Um, Spurs up. <laughs> All right. Well, that's it for the Spurs Up show. Thank you, Luke, for coming on the show. We appreciate it. You have a great year.